Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance and nothing else and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers, working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders with vendors from our growing repair vendor network where available, or we'll use your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032 or visit our website www.easyrepairhotlinellc.com. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Property Management Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I have Mr. Trey Griffin on, coming at us from GK Houses. And so I got to give you some background, gang, about kind of why I'm having Trey on the show. And it's pretty interesting because I was talking to his boss, Matt Whitaker, uh, just the other day about a couple you know, things going on in the world of property management. And he says, you know what? Uh, I've got an interesting cat that works for me. And this guy is somebody you're going to want to talk with. So Matt and I were talking about Trey and kind of what he's been doing in the industry as far as coming in. And I wanted to get him on because he came in as a second or third career. It wasn't like he was born into it. He wasn't uh, raised into it. He, was, he may not have a family of, of real estate agents, but what was really cool was he came in at a mid-level and he's helping GK Houses build to one of their goals of having, you know, X number of doors under management. So I want to bring Trey on. Trey on a, uh, he's going to introduce himself and talk about what he's doing with GK Houses, and then we'll kind of go from there. I really think it's a cool conversation coming up. So Trey, let's get to it. So tell me a little bit about yourself and who you are. Yeah, Brad, I appreciate you having me on. So you know, my background has nothing to do with property management, not even real estate. You know, I've I've owned a couple houses. I've been a landlord, so to speak. And so that's really all the, all the knowledge I've had in regards to this industry. So my background was, uh, you know, a couple years after high school, I joined the Marine Corps. And just like you and I were talking kind of, you know, off the cuff, I weighed probably a buck 25. And I went to my recruiter and said, hey, I want to I join the Marine Corps. And he gave me all these jobs. <laughs> And never once mentioned infantry to me. And I said, hey, I want to be a grunt. I want to be a rifleman. He thought I'd lost my mind. So served uh, two combat deployments in Iraq. And I got out of the Marine Corps and didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I knew I had a passion for fitness. And so while I was finishing up my degree, I was personal training on the side, had a small personal training business. And I don't know what you know about the fitness industry. But it's, well, let's do this. Let's do this yeah. real quick. I need to kind of preface this, you know, paint the picture a little bit. 
Yeah. Tell me your role with GK. And then this is why I'm going to tell the audience like, okay, this is cool because he came from another industry yeah. working in a different role and came into the property management industry kind of like in the middle. So tell me what you're doing for GK. Yeah. So Matthew Whitaker brought me on to be his COO. And so I am overseeing all operations. And so I'm also going to be leading our market leaders. We call those team leaders. And so I'll be leading those uh, men and women in those markets. That's the cool part about it because you came in as a COO from a different Mm -hmm. industry with a lot of experience of like running a recurring revenue business, which was the fitness industry, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And to back up even further, you know, I got to give you kudos for, you know, thank you for your service as an infantryman in the Marine Corps. Uh, you crayon eaters become very valuable to us. Now, I say it in jest because I was an infantryman. I was an infantry officer out of the Army. And we always tease the Marines. It's like, oh, those are crayon eaters over there, right? You know, the Marine guys. But Man, honestly, you, you, get, you guys are cream of the crop. I mean, when it, when the, when it matters, you know, the Marine infantry is solid. And I wanted you to talk about that because that says a lot about the kind of person you are. It says a lot about your character. And so after the Marine Corps, you left honorably, you moved into the fitness franchise stuff. And that's where I want you to pick up and talk about more of that fitness franchise model. Yeah. So I was brought on uh, initially, I was their first employee and you know, I had that personal training background. I started off as a, a trainer inside of that model. And we began to franchise, sell franchises, and I moved into an operational role. And really, the bulk of my job was helping grow our corporate locations. And from there, we were able to model out the franchise. And so that's really what I did inside of the fitness industry. And man, love fitness. And it was, very, you know, it's, we're going to talk more about this. But if you ever worked in fitness, you'll know it's a grind. Like it never stops. It's up early, late at night working, which are also some very you know similar characteristics inside of property management. Yeah, what's cool about that is you came in kind of uh, from that industry straight into the property management role. So as the COO, mm-hmm. uh, you've been running this role now for what six eight months? Am I correct? April. Yeah. April. So this this year. So right. So mm-hmm. it's fairly new. Yeah. And this is where it's a really easy fun question because. I want to hear some of the differences you're seeing in that role in a different industry in comparison to what you're seeing in the property management industry. I know we can't cover it all, mm-hmm. but maybe give me one or two tidbits that are really kind of fascinating. Like you might say, well, it's very similar in this, but extremely different in this regard. So give me a couple you know, differences and similarities that might be fun to discuss. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the big differences is, man, property management is a very complex business. And I think that's one of the first, that's been the hard thing for me is understanding the complexity of the business, all the moving parts, which in fitness, you know, within my role in the fitness industry, I didn't really experience that. So the constant moving parts, uh, that's been difficult just to understand, you know, from, hey, what's going on in maintenance? What's happening in leasing? What's going on with the property managers? You know, tenant communication, how's that going? So that's been difficult, you know, and, you know, there is a lot of similarities. And I would say, and this goes with any business, Brad, it's the people component, right? It's being able to lead, manage, and direct people. And, you know, I did that in the Marine Corps. I did it inside of the fitness industry. And, you know, I did that also on the side as a consultant with a program that you're familiar with called Culture Index. And that's how I actually met Matthew. So, you know, in any industry, it's all about people. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That those three things really tripped my trigger as far as you know wanting to talk with you. You were a former Marine. You ran several fitness franchises. You had a big role in that. And then you got into the Culture Index. Now, we're a big fan of Culture Index here at RentWorks. We like what they do with the people assessment tests. And sometimes I might even butcher kind of what they do, mm-hmm. but I know we like it because when, mm-hmm. when we go to hire, we look at this. When we go to promote, we look at this. Yeah. I recommended it to it. Uh, in fact, in our, in our Property Management Master Conference that we had, uh, Property Management Mastermind, I get ahead of myself, Property Management Mastermind Conference that I put on in March, uh, we had a whole section that was devoted from Culture Index. They sponsored it and had 20 industry leaders in a room and they were all talking all about it. Mm-hmm. And so for the folks that aren't familiar with Culture Index, I know you don't work for them any longer, yep. but you know, kind of paraphrase kind of what it is and where you see the value and the merits translating that into the property management world. Yeah. So I use Culture Index uh, inside of the fitness world when it came to uh, building out my operation team and also bringing on franchise partners. And I don't know about you, but before Culture Index, man, I made horrific people decisions, both, both hiring and leading on the job. I'm sure you've got tons of stories about that. But really and truly with Culture Index, what we're focused on or what that company is focused on, it's finding the right talent. So they're using human analytics to maximize human capital. And so it's pretty basic. Think getting the right people in the right seats as to what Jim Collins always states. Yeah. One of the things I always tell people is, is they think it's like a, just another disc test. Like you mm-hmm. can get a disc test off of Tony Robbins' website for free, yep. right? And, and you get exactly what you pay for. That's right. Um, and so I always recommend that. I know Culture Index costs a bit of money. You got to get with one of their advisors, go seek them out and find out what they charge for your company level. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it because they train you on how to analyze people, how to use their tests and really equate it to your business. Not just like, here's a booklet, go read it. Good luck. Mm-hmm. They really are there to help you. And this is not an episode to, to, to brag about Culture Index, but it uh, works. Clearly, it works. And what we're trying to relate is some of the similarities in working in another industry and bringing that right into the property management industry, because it is yep. a lot about people. We're dealing with, as I've said this before, we're dealing with someone's most two precious assets in the world, mm-hmm. right? Their money and their mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. These are very challenging things. It's one thing if their gym swipe card doesn't work that day, right? You can deal with that. It's another thing if you're fixing to evict somebody or not. Yep. Different, different world there. And so one of the things too we wanted to touch on, or at least get into it quite a bit, is the focus of GK Homes is to grow, and they've been growing by acquisition. They have, mm-hmm. you know, Matthew has become a very well-known acquisition entrepreneur in this space in the property management industry. So you, as a COO, that poses many challenges because part of the acquisition, as you know, is to acquire a company, and it might be a different market. You guys are in seven or eight markets, I forget, mm-hmm. something like that. And so let's say there's another market that opens up and pick the, the location, doesn't matter. Now you have an operational challenge to where, okay, the deal is done, now what? So mm-hmm. talk to me about some of the operational challenges the CEO is going to see in taking on a market, either in a standalone, brand new, got to open it up market or a tuck-in, because those mm-hmm. are two separate conversations. You know, a tuck-in mm-hmm. would be like, okay, I'm in San Antonio and there's a small little company. It's a lot easier. Yeah, they want to they sell and we buy them and we just tuck them right into our existing business yep. versus like recreating the wheel almost mm-hmm. and in a new market and you're having to kind of, you know, go through all the systems and procedures and, and integrate what you can, but a lot of times there's different, different challenges. So, so enough of that. I want you to talk more about that and kind of see what you see and see what we can chat on. 
Yeah. So, you know, I'm always going to go back to the people piece. And so when, when we go into a market, let's just say a, a brand new market where there's not a tuck in available, you know, the first thing that we have to look at is who are we going to find to run that market? Who are we going to have to really be the, the eyes and ears in that area? Because we really want to build this model where whoever's in that market, whoever that team leader is, they have to think like a CEO. They have to have the mindset of, hey, I own this. This is my business. What levers can I pull to you know, produce profit? Uh, what tweaks do I need to make to generate more revenue? And so literally in that market, whoever we put in there, they have to be the CEO of the market and they have to have that mindset of hustle and I'm going to do what it takes to make this place successful. So to me, that is you know, way up there on the list on what we need to have. Makes a lot of sense because you got to get them rolling and get them bought into it. If they don't have a sense of ownership, you're going to have a challenge. They're, just, mm-hmm. they're not going to care as much as you need them to care. And here's a good parallel. So in RentWorks, we just had to uh, reevaluate our compensation model because we, we recreated our whole operational platform to create basically pods or squads, if you want to call them that, to where you have one main property manager and two or three or four uh, junior property managers, assistant property managers, whatever you want to call them underneath the main property manager. Well, of course, you know, as we redesigned that, we had to redesign the, comp- the compensation plan. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we created a, a situation to where the end result is when we hand a, a property manager a new home to manage, they get excited about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. The opposite is if they're on straight salary and or you know, a limited amount of income, but you hand them another property, what do they say? They say, ah, they're not, uh, happy. they're not happy. Yeah. Same exact parallel in your situation is you got to find that right person, you got to find that right compensation model, and you got to find that right incentive to keep them pushing forward for the betterment of the, the business as a whole. And so it's an operational and people challenge for you on both sides. Yeah. So- you know, if we're going into a brand new market, that's one of the big focuses. And of course, what's the compensation going to look like? Are we going to be able to take care of that person? But then on a tuck-in, and I haven't been a part of any kind of tuck-in since I've been a since I've been on board here. The acquisition piece is, you know, catching on a little bit quicker. Uh, but the main thing that I'm focused on on the tuck-in piece is, you know, again, are we bringing on the right amount of people? Because I don't want to put our existing people in a position where they're going to burn out, where we're throwing so many more doors at them, where these property managers have to manage those properties and it's just more on them. And I don't want that either. So we've got to be strategic in hiring for the short term, but also strategic in hiring long term. And it's, it's always a push and pull in that area. So let's, let's talk examples on that. And you yep. may not have to name markets. You don't have to name names necessarily, but... Uh, if you've been a part of any sort of acquisition and, and since you've been on with GK or even learned from Matthew when you're talking to him or Spencer when you're talking about GK houses, mm-hmm. uh, what were some of the challenges that you saw specifically for that latest acquisition you may have done? And again, try not to name names or markets or anything like that. Let's try to just keep it a neutral lessons learned type of a discussion. Anything you can throw at me in that conversation? Yeah, I think the first thing I would think through was an acquisition happening really, really fast and not having a good support team to go in there and help out. I think that was one of the big ones I, I heard from those guys early on. Just really the acquisition happening and boom, we're there. 
and not really thinking through, okay, we need this person here. We need this person there. We just need a good support staff. Now, I've heard about that happening. And then on another acquisition, there was a support team in place and everything went really, really smooth for them. So I think a huge lesson there is moving forward when we go make an acquisition, we got to have a support team ready to really handle all the balls that are going to be in the air. I like to say often since starting in this industry that I feel like I'm juggling chainsaws like nonstop every single day. And that's definitely the case when we go off and make an acquisition. Yeah, because when you acquire somebody, the last thing that seller wants to hear is a phone call two months or six months later from an owner and or mm-hmm. employee and or tenant mm-hmm. and say, what the F are you guys doing? This mm-hmm. new company is screwing everything up. I can't believe you even you know, want to do business with them. That's the last yeah. thing you want to hear as a seller. You want to hear nothing but you know, roses and rainbows all yeah, the time. Yeah, we don't want to hear that either, right? Exactly. Nobody wants yeah. to. And so that's a very good point because you know, we as an industry, so we, we you and I were green rooming before we jumped on. We wanted to talk mm-hmm. about some of the industry stuff we're seeing out there. I personally think that's one of the challenges in the industry is the roll-up concept is there, right? So we want to take management companies from other places and put it under one umbrella and try to create some economies of scale and, and that good stuff. The challenge is the ones that have historically done that have had severe challenges and often hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And so they hit that wall of just like they can't grow any further because they've overspent what they had and or they just can't figure out how to operationally make it run smooth. If you are looking to enhance your tenant's movement experience, cut down on phone calls or emails to you or your staff regarding utilities, then you must connect yourself, your team, and your tenants with Citizen Home Solutions. Citizen Home Solutions takes the hassle of utilities off your hands and your tenants. Best of all, we do it for free. Build us into your tenant benefit package. Oh, and start benefiting from our revenue share program. Yes, we pay you a quarterly commission on specific services your tenant opts into. Want to know more? Give us a call today at 877-528-3824 or visit pmcpartner.com. Now, one thing I like about what you guys are doing is you got some privately held money. You know, you guys are like the mom and pop of acquisition entrepreneurs. You know, you are not hedge fund people. You don't have eight figures behind you waving it at people. You know, you guys are, are doing it small and you're also doing it in choice markets, which is really neat. And so I, I like what y'all are doing in that because I think you will be successful, but you've seen this enough where you've seen, you know, you can talk to anybody to your left and right. Some of the peers in the industry that have rolled up in an acquisition format. Have you seen some of the things that they've done? And if you have any lessons learned and say, you know, we saw that person, that company do that. We're not going to do it like that. Can you talk to me about some of that? Yeah. You know, I don't think I've been around long enough to experience, um, you know, what these other organizations are doing, but I will say this, you know, one thing that I've noticed coming in here as a, you know, not knowing anything about property management is, man, I am, I want to figure out a way to bring on people with no property management experience and where we can begin to train and develop these individuals in a short runway on how to be effective in this job, whether it's a property manager and whether it's a team leader, because I get the feeling that that's hard for everybody to onboard someone brand new to the industry and get them up to speed in 90 days. So, man, that's what I'm fixated on right now 
And that's really what I want to overcome because here's the thing, Brad, it's a lot easier moving forward to hire people who may not have the experience, but they have the traits. They have the characteristics we want. They have the hustle. They have the entrepreneur spirit. You know, they have personal discipline. They have these traits. Let's bring on these people and let's just train them to be fantastic property managers, team leaders, et cetera. Now, I understand you guys are doing a couple of different things. You're, you're creating some sort of like a, a educational format, educational uh, series yep. for your internal, internal training. So tell me more about that. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, one of our core focuses within our business is developing people. And so we want to take all of our team members and we want to make them better, not only their job, but we also want to make them better personally. We want to make them better humans. And so we spent a lot of time developing our talent, both personally, professionally, through books, through uh, just lessons that we create, podcasts, stuff like that. But again, you know, the whole premise here is we want to make our people better. We want to provide them the tools to be successful. And that may be at GK, Brad, and that may be them leaving GK in a couple of years to pursue whatever goals and dreams they're wanting to attain. Another good point. So as a COO, you came mm-hmm. from a different industry. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of switch gears and talk about the opportunities and threats. So we're mm-hmm. going to do half of a SWOT. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, a SWOT analysis is your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Let's just you know, talk about half of that. I want to yep. talk about opportunities first, about what you see in this industry with, with your background of being in a completely different industry at a high level. What do you see as the opportunities in the property management industry right now and going forward in the near future? What do you think? Yeah. So you mentioned earlier the reoccurring revenue model. And so in when I got started in you know, fitness as a personal trainer, I struggled with that personally in my own business. But then when I moved into the franchise model and that company was called Iron Tribe Fitness, the founder CEO, Forrest Walden, he was previously a part of another fitness franchise and he realized, man, the reoccurring revenue model, that's where it is. And so he adopted that into uh, you know, Iron Trap Fitness, into that franchise that he started. And you know, that is something I see with you know, what we're doing here at GK and, and property management as a whole. I mean, it's great to know the amount of revenue you're generating each and every month, right? It's great to be able to plan ahead knowing, hey, this is what I'm going to have in management fees. This is already there. And you know, we can make good strategic decisions down the road on this model. So I want to talk about that too, because you know, once in a while, we get talking about acquisitions and we get talking about revenue. And we get talking about all this stuff that's like great for the business owner, right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes trickles down to the team members. But at the end of the day, this is how it works. This is the way the world works. Is a the business as a whole can generate good revenue mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. It allows us to hire very good people, compensate them very nicely, and create a good service. That's the bottom line. So if you go from the bottom up, we want to create a good service. And the next level of that is having good employees. Next level of that is having a profitable business to trickle down back or backwards or forwards in that regard. So it's, you know, we talk about it a lot as oh, recurring revenue and it's all magical and you know. You can sell for this time and this net, net operating income and EBITDA and revenue and all this other junk. Another day, man, we got to provide a good service. You know, we are here to serve our owners. We are here to serve our tenants. So I always like to re- rehash some of that because sometimes in these conversations, it sounds like we're just talking one-sided stuff. 
Any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when you have that reoccurring revenue model, you know, you're able you're just able to make better decisions. You're able to uh, provide a great service, not just for uh, our residents and owners, but you're also able to provide a great service for uh, team members. You're able to provide opportunity and growth because at the end of the day, not everybody wants growth and opportunity. You know, there are a lot of people who just like stability in their position and we can, you can provide that for them. But at the same time, if we want to, you know, grow and go open another market, well, Hey, who's that team member that is crushing it, that is constantly knocking on the door, wanting to know where's growth, where's opportunity, what's next for me. You can provide that form in this model. Yeah. Bob Walters from Australia, who is a the property management guru over there, calls it a warm blanket of continuity. And that's what you want to give to your employees to where they can come to work and they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, what their goals are, what their key performance indicators are. And that creates a very healthy, good working environment because that's the kind of personality we're looking for. We're not looking for somebody who's, you know, fly by the seat of their pants, getting shot at every day. They don't like that stuff. Property managers, property management team members, they like that, that structured environment to they know, where they know exactly where they stand, what they got to do to make it a good day for them and their owners and their tenants and their vendors and their clients. I mean, all that good stuff. Yeah, I've right, got so a, we've, got a, we've got a team leader and you know, this guy is he's highly detailed. And he is extremely urgent when it comes to finding those details, to finding out information. And this guy can sit in his office, Brad, 10, 12 hours a day and just tweak things here and there, solve problems. And you know what? That is a property manager. It's all about perfection and solving problems. Totally agreed. And then being able to to not have to recreate the wheel to do that again. Uh, That's it. I always like I always like to think of of some of the things that have come up in the, the number of years of RentWorks, um, and one was anytime you run into something that's going to recur over and over. Uh, so, for example, there's a situation to where if we're managing a home, and that owner wants to sell that home with their brother who's a Keller Williams agent or whomever, mm-hmm. well. Our policy is we don't manage a home that's going to be actively sold by another real estate company. That's mm-hmm. in contradiction to every single agreement that's out there that mm-hmm. you're not being represented by any other company. Mm-hmm. And so my team had a hard time explaining that. So I created a two-page form letter that says, this is why we don't. So Mr. Kelly Williams agent, we don't want to upset you, but if we're going to allow you to sell the home that we're managing, we're going to cut ties with the owner very nicely right now, then you can manage a home from there. So that way we're not overlapping each other and creating confusion among the tenant and or vendors and or whomever. And so we wrote out that two-page policy letter and we use that over and over and over and over and over, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the kind of stuff that pops up that nobody thinks about until you've actually done it. Because it's one thing to pick up the phone and call and explain to that person why you don't, then you're going to be mm-hmm. finding yourself doing it over and over and over again. And how can you delegate that to your team if they don't have anything in writing that they can reference? So the operational procedures that go through that are always going to be market specific based on your state laws. And it's going to be something that you can want to create to where someone else can use that information that you put together and send it out and use it again. Yeah. You know, I think I'm obsessed and I think this is probably, I mean, this is a lot of the Marine Corps and this was my time in the franchise world. I mean, I get obsessed with creating a scalable process because 
if we can't create a scalable process and at the same time hold people accountable to following that process, there's no way we can reach our target goal of 25,000 properties. It's not going to happen. So scaling out that process is critical. Agreed. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about some of the threats in the industry. And so, I mean, I I start to think about this question, how to answer it myself. And, you know, you could potentially make an argument that uh, Zillow could come in and totally disrupt the industry, that an Amazon could come in and totally disrupt the industry. But I'm also on the opposite side of that. I'm thinking, you know, there's not a lot right now that can really screw up property management as a whole in the industry as a whole, even after we're going through COVID. Now, I know some people are screaming at me saying, well, the tenants aren't going to have to pay rent and this, that, and the other. Well, I get it. For some multifamilies at a lower scale, that's true. But for a lot of single family residential property managers, their rent collection has been only two to five points lower than what their normal rent collection is. Which, so, is, which is wild to think of because when this all started happening, you know, there was definitely freak out mode, especially for me coming into this industry. I'm wondering, like I came on board right when everything started and I'm like, what in the world? did I do? So, no, I get it. Yeah, those things. um, So, if we can survive the COVID threat as an industry, I feel that we're very insulated from any other threats. And and so, what I'm trying to say is, because the industry is so fragmented, there's a lots, lots, lots of mom and pop, good management companies out there that, that run 200 homes or 300 homes. And they do killer. They, you know, great at reputation in the community. They do a great Mm -hmm. job. Great customer service. Great customer service. And you'll never, never be able to penetrate that at a large scale. So Amazon is my point. They're not going to come in. Tesla's not going to come in. And they're not going to recreate this property management uh, life form. That's, you know, it's like artificial intelligence to recreate what we do as property managers. There will be some roll up. There will be some acquisition, but at a limited scale. And I think you guys can reach your goal because, you know, you guys are growing slowly with, with good money backing you and good operational knowledge of what's going on in the industry. So some of the, the issues that we have seen in the past is other roll-ups have come in with venture-based capital, and they're trying to control things um, where there's no on-the-ground on the, on the intimate knowledge of what's going on in that market being applied to the common sense. They try to just like say, you guys are going to do it this way, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so it just doesn't work in every market. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know as an infantry leader, that decentralization, the authority of making decisions on the ground in your time frame is critical to success on anything, operational-wise mm-hmm. for a management company and or winning in combat. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's the key to success here. And so I think that, that offers the management industry a little bit of insulation. So what are your thoughts on this? You know, you bring up, I like how you connect uh, the property management side with, you know, Marine Corps infantry or even Army infantry. You know, just when I was in, on, you know, on my second deployment in Iraq, we actually lived with, we lived with the locals. Like we had a house that was the highest point in the city and our neighbors were, you know, local Iraqis and everything started and stopped with our, it was, we actually lost our platoon commander. He had to, he got reassigned, but everything started and stopped with our platoon sergeant. He was the leader and everything flowed from him and his command. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at a market and we're going to take over a market or grow a market, 
we have to have that market knowledge. And yeah, I mean, I I echo everything you said there. That person knowing the market, knowing what's going on, being the boots on the ground is critical. And as we continue to grow, we're trying to figure that out. And we know we have to have that expert boots on the ground leading that market. So completely agree with everything you said. Yeah. So part of the, what you're looking at too is there's lots of COOs going around the world. So uh, I put Jennifer Stoops on one of these episodes and she is essentially the CEO, COO of her company, Park Place Avenue, Park Place Properties. And they're in North Carolina. They run two, three home, two, 3,000 homes. You know, they're really good. I have my Melanie here that works at RentWorks and she's doing the same thing. She's kind of, she's not kind of, she's running RentWorks and she has the authority to make those key decisions on personnel, key decisions on business processes, mm-hmm. you know, when to work with the attorneys on certain things, kind of what to do with owners and tenants in certain places. And she has full authority to run the company. And that's what makes it work at a, at a high level is not so much, it doesn't have to stop with the owner. Now, the owners, a lot of times, owners are a management company at 100 to 200, 300 homes. They are their own COO. They are their own CEO. They're running They're everything for that business. Yeah. They are everything. But as you start to grow into another level, You'll get that COO like what you're doing in that role. And hopefully a coworker like Matt, I don't want to call him boss, ever I hate that term. Uh, you know, somebody you work with like Matt who's going to say, okay, chief operating officer, you have the authority to do all of this, 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 and then probably it's in writing. Mm-hmm. And then you know, okay, I can make those decisions where I can make that decision very, very quickly. One of my favorite parables, uh, uh, kind of like a parallel story, World War II, the Allies land in Normandy. And uh, the Germans were trying to repel the Allied advance of the D-Day landing, June 6, 1944. And they were about to get ready to move a Panzer division, which is a tank division, but they couldn't get Hitler awake to get the authority to move the tanks to repel the Allies. Mm-hmm. Imagine the turn of that war. We're talking six, talking 12, 15 hours difference that had they woke up, woke up Hitler in the middle of the night and said, the Allies have landed on uh, Normandy beaches. What do we do? they could have deployed that Panzer division and probably repelled the ally advance and kicked us back into the sea. Mm-hmm. And it, my point is that decision was not based on the ground level information. It had, had to go all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And so that was their own downfall and not allowing for decentralized command. Mm-hmm. I know World War II lesson you never thought you're going to get today on the property management mastermind show, but that's what happens when you get two infantry guys involved and talking about operations. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, and when I first came on board, I made the comment about, it was to Matthew about me working for him. And he said, no, it's not like that. We're working together. And I'll never forget him saying that because it meant a lot to me because like when I do anything, Brad, I'm going to own it. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to own that. Don't ask my wife that because when she has me doing house projects, she probably says, Trey, you're lying. You don't own those things. But my point is, like, I'm going to own stuff. And when he said that to me, it meant a lot. And my wiring, Brad, I'm not going to be out of the gate like Matthew. So in the culture index world, I'm an architect. And so, yes, I'm independent. Yes, I'm confident. Yes, I'm assertive. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I like some details. I like to sprinkle in, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So I'm not going to be out of the gate like Matthew. And every now and then I'll ask his permission and he'll say, you don't have to ask me to do that. Just go do it. 
and it's good. It's great. Very cool notes on leadership and and empowering your CEO and really cool discussion on different parallels between uh, the different industries that we've seen that you have experience with. And so I I liked having this conversation with you. I appreciate it. So if somebody wants to reach you, they can find you on the gkhouses.com website, gkhouses.com. And, and, you know, they are doing acquisitions. So if anybody wants to potentially try and, um, you know, work with Matthew and your team on selling to them. Yeah. You know, I think they're one of the most uh, well sought after acquirers in this business for that situation. I mean, a lot of times we know, and I'll tell you this, how it really works in the, in the industry world of, of property management. People are standing in line at a buffet for a NARPM event. If we ever get back to NARPM events, you know, because of the, the COVID thing, but they're standing in line and they basically elbow the person next to them and say, Hey, now I'm getting ready to retire next year. You want to buy me? Okay. How much you want to talk? You know, that's how the deal is done. They're just like, selling a management company is not difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the right acquirer to meet the needs and appease that seller to where the seller feels really good about it. Cause these sellers, they're, they're selling their baby. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to just sell it and like, and like turn their phone off forever. They want to hear good things. So it, it becomes an operational challenge, which is why Matt brought you on. So yeah. And I'll say this and yeah, I've enjoyed it as well. And I'll say this, you know, if anyone listening, if they ever want to connect and just, uh, you know, chat through operational issues, talk through leadership and just talk through the industry as a whole, man, I'm more than welcome to have that conversation. I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose to say the least. So yeah, anytime I can connect and pick someone's brain or help someone, man, more than welcome to do that. Appreciate it. Trey, thanks for coming on. Thank you for your service. Two-time combat veteran, former Marine. And uh, appreciate everything you're doing for us. So we'll see you around the campus, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Brad. All right. Tenants not changing their air filters? Costly HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down? Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping filters directly to the tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost-use solution functions as a profit center to give you back time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186 today to learn more. This has been a podcast episode by PropertyManagementProductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.